after after the you know after the first quarter of the season, shall we say, um, there were twenty ninth in turnovers last year defensively, and here they are now top top five. They've completely turned that part of the of the team around that. And bear in mind they were they were out two cornerbacks in the FC touched on the Sauce Gardner not playing and other various different players up that level of performance said they didn't the Eagles didn't score in the second half whatsoever Adam's right there was some poor play but the held DeAndre Swift to 18 yards and he's, had, he's been really one of the bigger bright spots for the Eagles this season Brendan when he came in from the Lions in that kind of last season trade and they, they did Sanders to go to um, the Panthers you know they slowed him down it was significant performance the Browns in particular defensive wise uh, look I wasn't surprised it doesn't come to surprise me how well they're playing I, I, I felt it was coming you know, Jim Schwartz um, is a great defense coordinator, uh, but all three is going to come down to how well their offense plays in the long run because uh, they have 44% uh, in terms of production on offense on Sunday. That's not sustainable. You, and, it'd be, and it's the same to Jets. Like Zach Wilson is, is fine, shall we say, at the moment, but he's always just one game away from a complete meltdown. So it'll be interesting to see. But the boy is the boy week probably a nice time for the Jets. Welcome to the second segment of our Tuesday Talking Points where we recap in week six. And Colin, I wanted to throw something out there because we spent a, a good chunk of time last week talking about the, the Eagles and the Niners before putting the Irish NFL show jinx on them when they both went down over the weekend. Have we slightly slept on the Detroit Lions here? Because they've been going away relatively quietly, taking care of even some of the bigger names on their schedule, obviously announced their presence with a statement win over the Chiefs in week one. Um, and that's pretty much been the pattern of, of, of how they've played since. They're running away with the North. Yeah, I, I mean, I think um, a lot of us picked them to to win the North, but I think because of the the Dolphins and the Niners in particular, um, the Lions have slightly flown under the radar. I think Perhaps the fact that they did have that that loss to the Seahawks in in some ways maybe helped them c- to continue. Right, if they were unbeaten, they probably would have had you know more of a, a focus. But yeah, you have to admire like again the way in which they've gone about their business. Um, and Dan Campbell and the front office there have a plan. You know they um. We some you know I certainly doubted their draft strategy this year. They are proving that they got it right. They knew what they wanted. They knew the characters they wanted to bring in. They knew what their roster needed. Um, and uh, I was listening. I think it was to um Kevin Clark on the Ringer, and he was talking about Chuck Noll, the legendary Steelers coach, um, and about toughness and the idea of like. What, what uh, of toughness and what makes a player tough um and it's not the you know the gruff um presentation it's not tackles uh what chuck Noll said what may what's true toughness is going out and doing your your job on the practice field and on the playing field week in week out um and that's what the lions are, are doing they are performing magnificently on both sides of the ball jared goff has been um uh and really, really probably playing the best football of his career and he is continuing to develop and this is a guy who around about this time last year Dan Campbell called him out right um, he said we need more from our QB he's the leader he's got the experience and Goff didn't put didn't sulk 
didn't go to the media, didn't say uh, my head coach is being too hard on me. Uh, he went to, to work and you saw how they finished out the second half of uh, last season. And look, I, I think, you know, we can say that barring um, injuries, barring an absolute collapse of uh, epic proportions in the, you know, remainder of the season, they're going to get to the dance. Um, can they, you know, win four games? Uh, un- unlikely, you would think, but stranger things have happened. Ryan, one of the things I like about how they've gone about their business is, you know, we, we've seen other teams flatter to deceive. We've seen teams put up a big performance one week like the Dolphins and then go out and lose the following week or like the 49ers last weekend, you know, off the back of that mauling of the Cowboys going down against the Browns. You know, the Lions, as Colin pointed out, they did drop that one to the Seahawks, but they're right in it. It's a one-score game. They show up against the teams that are that are the most combative and the most competitive, and they take care of business against the teams that they're supposed to be. They doubled up the Panthers at the weekend. No mess, no fuss. Yeah, but it's the team. It's the same team to me. It's defense. It's defense for me with this team, and that's probably not what everybody thought this team would be. They thought it'd be a really expansive offense. I said at the start of the season, I thought they'd be in so many high-scoring games, and they'd come out the wrong end of some of them. And we saw that in week two when they lost to the Seahawks. But since then, like they, they put a beat down on the Falcons defensively when the Falcons went in having had that, you know, strong start to the season. And we saw again on, on Sunday in Tampa, Michael Rainfield showed to get the ball down the field. He was under pressure consistently throughout the course of the game. You could see in year two, Hutchinson redeveloping into the player. That's they thought he was when they drafted him so high the year before. And just all seems to be going well. They brought in some nice experienced players defensively as well. And it's all seems to be getting together. And I take another bright spot for them right now because it just comes at a nice time. Is the is the return of Jameson Williams from the uh, suspension for it? Obviously the gambling, you know, exploits. You know, which he was, you know, pulled up on, and obviously he went to five game. I think he appealed the ban and he got it reduced. But he has that big touchdown on Sunday, and like he was a player that they they moved up. You know, kind of talking about, you know, strategies around drafts. For let's bear, bear in mind how how big the Lions went to get up to twelve last year to get him, and now they're going to see probably the benefits of him coming in. Been really fresh at the start at this stage of the season, having come off the bounce. So it, it just seems to be all pointing in the right direction. Big game this weekend against the Ravens. Because it's not exactly littered with star names either, Colin. It seems to be that culture is is king there. And it also seems, you know, to coin the line from the, the, the Robert Dalton film, the player, it's no star, it's just talent. Yeah, they, ha- they have an identity. And I think that's hugely important. They know what they're about, they know what is expected of them and they probably have a, a little bit of a, a chip on their shoulder after uh, years and years in the wilderness and that is um, you know that's a that's a good thing um, and what Dan Campbell has cultivated is really really impressive and you would have to say you know we wondered when the OC stayed around Sometimes it can happen, right, that you make a decision not to take a job and it doesn't work out. Um, Brian might not like this, um, but Kafka made the decision, you know, he to ultimately just to, to stay in New York. I think he might look back on that at the end of this season, potentially, and say, I probably should have gone. I don't think it's going to be the same situation in Detroit. And that's not picking on, on Kafka. There's loads of those, right? Sometimes... You know, there's any number of factors that go into why one season goes well and another season doesn't. And it's not uh, always on, um, uh, you know, one particular coordinator. Um, 
But I, I will say that he stayed around um, because he was excited about what this team could do. And you can see why he ultimately decided to to do that. He is going to get a head coaching job. Um, and I think there will be quite the clamor for his services uh, at the end of this season. No, indeed. We look forward to welcoming him to Chicago at the start of the next oh. season. <laughs> um, Lions. Five and one at sitting pretty. We have a bunch of teams, so six and all, three in each conference, nicely split, who are at three and three. The the, the five hundred teams after week six. And um, let's let's take a closer look at them and maybe look at who's primed to make a run from here and who we think might potentially be be slipping back, might be lucky to be just keeping their heads above water at the moment. Let's start with the Bengals. Another difficult win for them, but they're they're finding different ways. And Brian, we spoke about this and um, when they when they beat the Rams. It's someone else and it's some other part of the team steps up every week and they've kind of carried Joe Burrow, getting him through the the the, 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 the more chronic phase of the injury. Like He certainly looks to be moving a lot better. That offense still isn't anywhere near the level that you'd expect it to be given the, given the parts that they have. The sum hasn't been anywhere near what you would expect. Yeah, and turnovers again, critical on Sunday. Turnovers by both teams in that game, in particular, yeah, in the red zone. Yeah, they're starting what's... You know, you could argue there's two sides of the coin here. You, you know, you're stuck in the three and three, and we've seen this team in the past kind of get things, get things on the right track in the second half of the season, and once we make the playoffs, and they're probably fortunate right now that they're in the division where they're all essentially beating up on, on each other. You know, all, all I think all teams are, you know, have a reasonably strong record. I know the Ravens are a game ahead of they have not having their bye week, but they um they don't strike me as a team where similar to what we've seen in the past few years. Um, I just think it seems a bit. Bit flat. It doesn't seem to be. Jamar Chase isn't at the level. E. Higgins has been injured. Tyler Borders isn't playing at the same level, which we saw last year. Defensively, again, got them over all on Sunday. And look, we're, we're we're having the conversations tonight how the defensive teams can lead you to the playoffs and maybe beyond that. But um, I don't think that's you know not sustainable for the for the Bengals because I just don't think they've enough weapons defensively. They carry this team throughout the course of the season as opposed to other teams that have really strong defense. Now three and three. But right now, I wouldn't be if I was a Bengals fan. I wouldn't be really comfortable situation in which. Column the Raiders, uh, as Brian pointed out last week, if they got over the, the the Patriots and the student became the master, as Josh McDaniels, in fairness to him, did over the weekend, they they've gone to five hundred despite what has widely been perceived to have been a disastrous start to the season. They're still in the mix. Are they going to stay there? Yeah, it's it's a it's a funny one um, because. Like there were moments in that game where they looked really good, and there were moments where it seemed that the Patriots were actually going to to find a way to win it. Um, I mean, you, the the Raiders could, right? Uh, I can't explain it. Um, because and what they're they're doing, you can't say anything is particularly working really well, other than they're finding ways to win, and that's that is impressive in and of itself. They face a Bears team next who, let's face it, they should be capable of, of winning that game. They then have, the, uh, you know, the Lions who we've just discussed. Um, They then have the Giants. And then they face, obviously, a, a, a Jets team. Um, You know, they, so it'll be interesting to see which Giants team kind of shows up. Um, And then they um, have the Dolphins and the, the Chiefs. So they have some really tough games coming up. Um, and and then it'll be interesting to, to see kind of they have the Vikings, Chargers, 
uh, Colts and Broncos as part of their four of their last five. So it'll be, when we get to December, it will be very interesting to see where they stand. Because when you look at those those last five games, if they're there or thereabouts, they could, they could, you know, you ne- you never know. I-, I thought they would be worse and there have been times where they have looked inept and yet there have been other times they have been very, very impressive. And um, that game, you know, was the, uh, it was the most Patriots game with Bill Belichick, with Joshua Daniel, Jimmy Garoppolo, Brian Hoyer. Um, it was quite, quite something, but ultimately they're the ones who um, got the win. Brian, the Colts, um, we mentioned what the absence of Shane Steichen might have meant to the Eagles so far this season. Um, the Eagles lost very much to Colts' gain. Um, they still have Gardner Minshew playing in relief of Anthony Richardson. Tougher time for him over the weekend, and he's played well um, the last couple of weeks, but tougher time for him over the weekend. But they're still at 3-3, three and three and they're, uh, they're, they're well in contention, particularly in that milk-toast-looking uh, AFC season. Yeah, I guess they are around in mind what we saw on Sunday, you know, and at Tottenham with Ryan Tannehill going down and it looks like now he's going to be out for the save and you'd be interested to see where the Titans go from there. But the Colts can strike me as a team that they're going to have, they're going to flourish in some games and and then the other games are going to get beaten convincingly and that's the case on Sunday against the Jags. It's like, Colts fans, I'd imagine, will be looking at this kind of going, our expectation now is going into the season where at a certain stage and now all of a sudden as we move on, you start kind of turning a night to potentially winning a division or making the playoffs. But I think over the course of the season, to see this team competitive and winning games will be what the Colts fan will, will want after the last if it, last year in particular. Um, they don't strike me as a team in the long term, I think, of gradually over the course. Over the course of the next four to five weeks, they might drop off. To, uh, I'd be surprised, but we did have that conversation. Yeah, on Sunday, Connor, where we were talking about the, the Gardner Minshew piece, and then obviously we were watching on the way home, there was some needless interceptions. Why we were saying that's why this is. They know it because he's the kind of quarterback and we've seen it many times. Like Andy Dalton, like where they come in, play really well for a number of games, they win and teams and their fans kind of get this, you know, notion that this guy is the long term answer or potentially the season answer and it doesn't materialise. I don't that's that's my concern regarding the Minshew. He'll give you two or three really strong games and then he tails off again. And the games in which he tails off to get very comprehensively beaten, which we saw on Sunday. Texans, on the other hand, column one on Sunday, which put them at three and three alongside the Colts in the in the AFC South. Um, they've been spicy. D'Amico Ryan's doing a really good job there, just like Shane Steichen and Indy, and it's it's not looking too bad for them either. No, I think they are the team that I think could potentially make a run because I think they have a real QB who has kind of taken to a duck to, to water. Right, there have been plenty of QBs around the league who are really struggling. Um, and, um, you know, I, I think, um, the, the, the next one up, um, who we're going to discuss here is the commanders. I'll let Brian delve properly into that, but just to give, to compare Stroud to Sam Howell, Sam Howell is currently on pace for 96 sacks, 96. That would be 20 more than David Carr. And that season broke David Carr, um, spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally, um, I don't know, Sam Howell seems to be uh, maybe more robust. Um, but go, like Stroud has been just so impressive. When you look at it, they've got a good group of receivers there. The defense has been um, has come together much quicker than maybe uh, I expected it to. 
And you look at the schedule, they got the Panthers next, then they've got the, the Bucks, Bengals, Cards. Um, you know, yes, there's some tough games. They're no easy games. We can't, you know, that's the cliche that rings true. Um, but you'd have to say that kind of between now and, you know, when they face the, the Jets on the 10th of December, um, they're all games that can be in. I think there'll be a t- really tough game against the Bengals and the Jags. Um, but I think this Texans team are, are capable of, of being spicy. D- will they get there? I don't think that's certain. But I do think they might well end up, um, you know, being being a fly in the ointment for some playoff hopeful teams. Brian, what about the Commanders then? Um, as, as, as Colin mentioned, very volatile season for them. They opened up with two wins on the bounce, which surprised a lot of people. Then it seems to revert to form, losing three on the spin. Um, but having been beaten badly by the Bears, which is not a phrase we get to use often on the show uh, in, reg- in regards to any team, they, they came back strongly. There's plenty of character there, um, but can Sam Howe lead them to, to something approaching a successful season and go on a run here? I thought Colm should add this one. He was the one that, uh, you know, he bails on the commanders. He had them in his, in his uh, selections for the playoffs and also then he bailed in the very last minute when it was time to give those final cards in. They just strike me as a team right now that they're up. There's so many up and downs. Some of the Colts in terms of how they've, you know, had their three and three, but they're under a new head coach. They're clearly playing for Rivera, and we question whether that would be the case coming into the season. There was a lot of conversations around the new owners, and and this could be his last year as head coach. You know, you kind of get the sense they are very much in in uh, in unison with one another within the squad, and I think Eric the enemy. We're talking about some, you know, hell. And the difficulties happened in terms of the sacks and the offensive line struggling, but he's still coming in the week after a difficult game against the Bears, albeit 10 days and maybe they had the, you know, the additional time to correct the woes of that particular Thursday night game. But to come out last Sunday and, and navigate a victory, you know, Brandon went the pressure he would have been on to kind of rebound was was really kind of great to see and great to, and, and also defensively. They brought some nice players this year. I know Forbes, the quarterbacks, had a bit of a struggle over the past few days, but one of the he went further up to the board and other cornerbacks who, you know, who seem to be kind of hitting the ground running quicker than he is. But there was some timely interceptions and big stops within the game for defensively. So right now, they seem to be getting good play on both sides of the ball. They've got the Giants this weekend. It's a kind of a must win for both sides because if the commanders want to reach that level, similar to the Giants last year in terms of just being there, they're about to make it. They have to go to win this game and for the Giants, obviously, to save a save season type of game. Um, it'd be interesting to see they go. And the problem with the commanders right now is one week they look good and you can say, right, okay, I can see the Nards as they win the following weekend and then they go and do it a performance against the Bears we saw recently and then we've seen that already with our games. The Rams column, if there's one thing that's really noticeable about them to me is that Sean McVay really looks like he's having fun. He looks like he's enjoying himself more than he did when they went and won the Super Bowl. Yeah, he, he, really, he really does and uh, again, I think these younger players who are come in who are really hungry who clearly want to be coached I think Sean McVay is a guy who enjoys coaching he enjoys teaching players he enjoys coming up with new concepts with new schemes and he has the the veteran players there in Cooper Cup in Stafford in Aaron Donald who he can lean on but they have been mightily impressive and um you know, the, I suppose that last year was the, the real down year, but we are seeing um, what he has been able to do. Now, certainly that the 
kind of second um, half uh, of the the schedule. Um, there are plenty of tough games in this. There are some winnable ones too, um, but they won't shy away from the the challenge. And in an NFC, um, you know, I I don't think they are going to be challenging the Niners for the division. Um, but is it possible that all of a sudden we see three teams come out of the NFC West? I think. Yeah, it, it it's certainly possible, but it is a it's a rocky road, right? They've got the Browns to uh, that they're going to have to face, and they obviously have another game against the Niners where they're going to have to go on the the road, and uh, they got the Ravens in there as well. Um, but they have the the vets. Cooper Cup is back, and he seems to be enjoying himself uh, as well. And the your Sean McVay is having fun. The Rams are a really fun team to watch. A coach that doesn't necessarily look like he's having a lot of fun, Brian, is, is Arthur Smith. Like It's a great clip that's gone around of him doing doing this after Desmond Ritter throws a particularly bad interception. And in fairness to Smith, he's made his bed there and he kind of has to lie in it. But the Falcons are around 500. It feels like the Falcons have been around 500 for the last four or five years. They never seem to make much of a break the other side of it and they never seem to slip too far below it. Can they change the trend this season? No, if they continue with Ritter in the long term, I don't believe. Uh, I know Shane, who was on the show last week, made the great point. He was unbeaten in his NFL career at home, and he was unbeaten in his college career at home. I think he put the mockers on him because he goes, of course, he goes as a, a stinker on Sunday with three interceptions. Like, Arthur Smith, for me, on Sunday, he very much looked like a head coach. It was kind of going, like, this is not sustainable. How can I put up with this? Yeah, we saw it in London. You know, they, they were really poor in the first half. He had interceptions. He led them back slightly in the second half and there was an opportunity to kind of get really back in the game. Laid on, couldn't get it all in line. And it just it just strikes me as someone right now actually looking to going, if only I had a better quarterback, I could really propel this team because they've got so many talented players offensively. We saw Kyle Pitts with a touchdown at the weekend who's been, you know, floating under the radar, Brendan, when they did his scrutiny and the enormity when he came into the, to the league and they got other great players there. But Ritter for me is a big, big worrying concern for, for, for them and for Falcons fans. Colm, we uh, final team that's at three and three, and there were eight actually, not six. I miscounted, uh, so apologies for that earlier. But uh, had a bit of a Nathaniel Hackett there. I couldn't manage the numbers. And um, the, the the Saints have a little bit of pretty much all of the trends we've been talking about on the talking points. Defense ahead of their offense, pile up yards, but don't have the red zone efficiency. You know, you're not quite sure whether the quarterback plays at the level that it should be at. Yes, they're they're three and three, and the NFC South is a is a competitive division, but it's competitive in its weakness, uh, and they're very much in the mix. They are, but I I suppose I I would point to the teams that ultimately they got the wins against the the Titans, the Panthers, and the Patriots. Um, not exactly murderers row, is it? Like uh, the. The Panthers might end up giving the number one overall pick, and um, discuss this on the Insta Reaction Pod. Like, if you're the Panthers and you're David Tepper, imagine you give the number one overall pick to the Bears, and you have to live with the fact that whoever the Bears take is going to be compared to Bryce Young. Uh, for eternity. Uh, I wouldn't worry about that column if I was David Tepper because whoever the Bears <laughs> take, they're going to ruin him anyway. <laughs> or LJ to William or Drake May, whoever loses that to us. Very interesting to, to see. But like, 
you know, they, they beat up on um, the, the Patriots who just look, you know, Bill Belichick looks absolutely shell-shocked. He, he really does. Um, and sorry, lads, but with all, um, you know, I know you love your teams, but I know they face the Bears and the Giants uh, the rest of the way. But and they've got the Panthers again, but they also have the Lions in there, the the Rams in there. It it's a strange one, like you know, there are absolutely winnable games, and the South is you know a nobody. It's again right. We're back to this. It was like this last year. Nobody seemed to want to win it. Um, if they can get going. Certainly, the the defense seems to be playing a little bit on memory at the the moment, right? They're kind of um, we can see flashes of who they once were. They aren't the the juggernaut. Um, difficult game on Thursday night. You would have thought against the Jags, but Trevor Lawrence might not play, so they might get lucky in in that way. Um, and then all of a sudden they're playing a, a Colts team. We hear that Anthony Richardson is, according to Jim Irsay, um probably out for the the season um i i would imagine if you're the coles head coach um you're probably not delighted that once again the owner is giving away exactly uh, what's going on but but there you are so i think the the next two two games are are kind of critical because after that they face the bears and they face the vikings um so yeah they they could be realistically they they could end up winning all four of them and they could be sitting uh, kind of a seven and three, or equally, they could lose. Well, sorry, Connor, they probably won't lose to the Bears, but they could lose the other three, um, and and all of a sudden it looks uh, very different going into the back end of the the season. They they are a real kind of Jekyll and Hyde team, more so than potentially anyone else that we've discussed on the the list. Colin, Connor, Pence, given the number of times that you've said the teams will lose to the Bears, you're still feeling sore about the. F- you picked them last weekend. Even I didn't pick them to beat the Vikings. And I'm going to make a quick point on uh, the Saints. Like Thursday, for me, is kind of like that marquee game. Like they have to win that game more so because we talk, we we think back in years where the Saints, you know, in the prime time games at home, you know, you know, a, a crowd getting rallying behind the team, and like for people to take them serious. Adams right, like they haven't beat anybody of great significance this season, but for teams to take them, take them seriously, within the division, I would say. They got to go win this game, and it doesn't look like Trevor Lawrence is going to play. Judging by the nature of the comments coming out to Stephen, but uh, it stands out to me this week as a game that if they really want to be moving in the right direction and be taken seriously within the NFC, just game they have to get over the line. All right, this is segment three of our Tuesday talking points, where we're going through all of the main discussion topics from week six of the NFL season. And Colin or Brian, rather, we might, might jump to you on this one since it involves your your favorite Chargers. We, we uh, need to talk about we need to talk about Justin Herbert, don't we? I mean, I saw a tweet from from David Frone as the Miami Dolphins beat reporter who works for the Sun Sentinel, um, saying earlier today that he see he's seen a lot less talk about Justin Herbert missing open throws than if Tua did the same thing and and providing a couple of video clips to back up his arguments. It's kind of a fair point. Herbert looked sensational in one or two games earlier this season, but he's quietly not looked great the rest of the way. Dolphins fans are always going to have that narrative, whether they're a supporter or whether you're a media media analyst, journalist, because of the nature of where they were drafted, like, you know, four and five in the same draft, and Dolphins fans have, you know, over the course of the last few years, but the injuries to Joe would always reflect on, we have 